everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration podcast. My name is Ton Dobber and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have in this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big and therefore we should. Doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. And this podcast is all about that. The guest of my podcast this week is Tom Pennings, founder and CEO of OnSoftware. We bridge the gap between HR and the business objectives by correlating training with on-the-job performance. There's 536 different LMS solutions out there. What that really is, is I would say, and this is not meant negative, but it is a content delivery. They're facilitating the delivery process. The challenge is, in our opinion, not with the delivery process. It is about guiding each and every individual. But ultimately, OnSoftic's goal is accelerating the human potential. The biggest win is acceleration of their human potential, but also in time. Very many uh, CEOs underestimate the impact of or the value of the people in their company. But it's really the people that drive the company. And it's really important to make sure that you make strategic decisions on making the cake, getting the most out of these people. And I'm not talking about getting more performance out of them by you know, implementing rules to, to make them work harder. No, it's about making really the work lighter on your human potential and get the most out of it. This is Tom. He is what he calls a high technical entrepreneur, technology enthusiast, and business networker. He has worked for Borland, EVS, Google, and Apple. Inspired by bringing data to the learning process, he and his co-founder Ian Hart assembled a team on two continents to connect digital transformation and assistive intelligence. And this was the start of Onsofic. Unlike many learning management systems on the market, Onsofic is about intelligently guiding every single employee in a company to optimize learning effectiveness and achieve their business objectives, rather than just delivering training material and process. In doing so, it not only increases the performance of global enterprises, but also accelerates their human potential. And this inspired me. Hence, I invited Tom to my podcast. We will also address what questions business leaders should really ask and what mindset they should be embracing to succeed with digital transformation, customer centricity, risk and compliance, and learning 4.0. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, that the best results are achieved when process, people, and intelligent augmentation blend in the right way. Secondly, that we have to increment the skills and capabilities of the workforce while we are bringing new tools and technologies into the workplace. And thirdly, that gut feel is often a very good guide to follow in order to pivot the trajectory of your business and that spending time on assembling a team with the same beliefs and passion is essential to scale the horsepower behind your business. So to get the podcast started, Tom, can you please introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your company? Cool. So my name is Tom Pennings. I am the CEO and founder of OnSoftic. And at OnSoftic, we have actually developed a change management tool with a focus on training for organizations. Now, that's a very vague term, but what it really means is that we bridge the gap between HR and the business objectives by correlating training with on-the-job performance. 
So data is pulled from various sources, like, for example, simulations, client feedback, a lot more than just a traditional training process or who has clicked where or which videos have been watched. And we correlate that data with data from how the people perform their job or whether they're following the compliance rules, how they're using the software or what the customers think of uh, the employee. And all that data is basically correlated, churned through a machine learning algorithm and actually provides personal steering for every individual. This is a continuous learning process. Now, the reason I got into this, and actually myself and my co-founder got into this, was not because of the technology or what machine learning can do in the training or education space, but really about why is training so, there's a Dutch word for it, it's called flu, so, so vague. Why are we not collecting more metrics around how people learn? And this is beyond just the business itself. This is, you know, on our everyday life. And so we looked at the process and there's very few research on there on to see aside. I mean, if you look at the education process, you know, we use exams to verify if people know what they just learned, but it's really not an, an actual, how do you call it? An actual verification. I mean, people start gaming the exams, right? You, you don't know exactly. So it's much better to see how they applied on the job or how they use their knowledge to teach other people. And Bloom's taxonomy is actually one of the ways that we look at the effectiveness and the level of understanding that the person has. And this was the basis of, okay, can we quantify this process more than it exists today? And if we can, then we can collect data about which stage people are in, what they know, what they don't know, and identify knowledge gaps. That was the basis. It had nothing to do with business. Uh, it was just in our interest of learning and what makes learning effective. Okay. And so we started a company first at the educational field, but very quickly found out that the business needs for this kind of technology are much higher. And if you want to start affecting the industry, you, you need to start at a place where, where the interest is the highest. And so we started. Why with- is the interest in business the highest? The need for training, and specifically around four major areas. We see, you know, the digital transformation, industry 4.0. It's a very high-level term, but it's, it's happening in every big company today. You know, how can you quickly adopt new technology, new methods of how your employees and or your customers are using your product very quickly through your organization? The second one is customer centricity. Uh, as soon as you have, you know, more than a thousand people, it becomes very hard to give this personalized feeling to your, to your uh, customers, you know, like the mom and pop shop around the corner. So customer centricity is a huge focus. The third one, which is highly valuable to companies, risk and compliance, specifically in the financial and the insurance sector. So, and then fourth is, is uh, learning 4.0. How can we go beyond just clicking and watching videos or just pressing next for four hours to be compliant? And so those are four areas where it's really important that both the organization as well as the individual understands what they've learned. And so those are key areas in the business where our technology makes a huge difference. But if you look at learning learning and education, particularly also, of course, in, in business, mm-hmm. there are so many vendors out there already that, that offer online learning. There's MOOCs, there's, well, all kinds of vendors that have learning management platforms. So what is broken with those systems? What is not working here? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, there's 536 different LMS solutions out there. But it, it, what, what that really is, is I would say, and this is not meant negative, but it is a content delivery. It's a CMS made smart by their students in classrooms and class meeting rooms and so on. Sort of facilitating the delivery process. The challenge is, in our opinion, not with the delivery process. It is about guiding each and every individual. 
How can we get a personalized coach that knows when you need to be trained, that knows what triggers you at which times with which tools, that knows what knowledge gaps so you don't need to what we call innate worst, go to the same thing over and over again, even though you already know it or you understand that part already. It's just everybody goes through it at once. And I think that's what is really broken. If you're talking what the machine learning does for us, it helps you go parse all that data and figure out what that is for you specifically. And it doesn't matter whether you have 10,000 employees. So each, every individual gets their own personalized training courses. And that's broken with traditional MOOCs. MOOCs have lots of content and that's great. Actually, that's wonderful. And, and in the last 10 years, one of the biggest advantages, content is much more easily accessible and high, uh, high quality thanks to MOOCs and uh, online learning systems like sure. Yeah. And so I think for what MOOCs do is, is deliver the content, right? Make it accessible to a lot of people what the internet in general did. And at high quality, I mean, even big universities are starting to understand that the value is not necessarily in the content or the teaching materials, but in the exams, which is why you see Berkeley putting content online, Stanford putting content online. And I see the popularity too, but if you look at MOOCs, the average completion rate is anywhere between 6 and 7%, even wow. though hundreds of thousands of students uh, sign up for it, right? Exactly. So... At the end, this is for a range of people. I mean, the podcast and the idea I, uh, I'm going after with the podcast is to see how technology can augment people to become a better version of themselves. But this is, I would say, first of all, for everybody in the company. Mm-hmm. But on the second level, it's also, of course, for, for management itself to understand how to make their team perform in a better way and how to tune that. Correct. Yeah, I mentioned this when I started off as we really try to bridge the gap between HR or specifically training in HR and business objective because very often training and I think there's an article in trends that I participated in very much is seen as a silo. It's um, okay. The business says we need to be compliant with this or this rules. It goes through learning and development, learning and development spends, you know, two, three months developing nice content around that. Then the business manager says, all right, dear department, now let's go through that. They go through it. And then the statistics that are delivered to that business managers here is our 400 people, they went through this course and most of them got 80%. Or even worse, there is no test. And they say, well, uh, Kirkpatrick level number one, everybody was very happy with the training. The trainer was awesome. We had great sandwiches over lunch. This is good. And that's it. So training stays in the silo. What we try to do is say, okay, what's the business needs? What's the payoff needs? What do you expect? What's the impact? And actually start measuring there to start steering this process continuously. And so that's, that enables, I mean, the consequences is dashboards for management to see, you know, are we, we no longer report, you know, who completed the training. It doesn't matter to them. They want to see, is it adopted what we asked them to do? Yeah. Are they using the compliance rule? How often do they break it? Did it change between yesterday and last quarter? Uh, those kind of things is much more important for them. And that's where we really make a difference. But ultimately, Onsofic's goal is accelerating the human potential. So, yes, business is our first uh, what we call traction area. But the vision is really to apply it to, to education, personal learners, and business. Perfect. Good. That, that brings me to a, a different question here, which I was going to ask anyway. Enhancing human potential or augmenting that as well. So what is the opportunity if you get this right? What are your customers telling you already in terms of the, the impact from before and after? 
Well, if you if you take the traditional metrics, right? Why companies like us? Ultimately, it's the compliance itself. But the biggest win is acceleration of their human potential, but also in time. So in general, when I can talk about a specific user case in the financial sector, which actually the, the largest ROE financial institution in Europe uses our technology for about 10,000 people right now, and mostly they're human to human people, meaning everybody in the branches that interacts with customers on a physical level. Yeah. Now these people were, or this company was actually transitioning from a very much product focused company. Here is a loan. We have some financial products into a customer journey company. So really understanding what the journey of the customer is. And when you introduce that, you need to bring in not just a bunch of tools, for example, a CRM that is highly populated is, is one thing, but also interaction, you know, how can you interact with the customer on a, on a different basis? So it was new technology, new rules, new ways of interacting with the customer. And so that was planned to be 18 months using traditional technology. And I'm talking about a blended environment, you know, some classrooms, some DG ambassadors, some training on the work floor uh, to be estimated anywhere between 18 and 20 months. We brought that back to less than six with an effective rating of above 80%. And that, that's really, if you want to say, what's the metrics? Faster compliance with whatever you're trying to achieve in the business and, and obviously faster rollout, less impact on the individual themselves. So to sit in classrooms, to sit in training rooms, or to sit behind their computer and go through trainings. Yeah, and I think it goes the other way around because this is about faster compliance and less impact. But on the other hand, it's about increasing the potential of the, of, of the people, mm-hmm. which is going to have a top-line effect. Yes, yes, it does. Which, yes. of course, is, is not so easy to measure, but likely it's going to impact as well. Yes, but that, that is harder to do because traditionally businesses don't have a lot of metrics around that. If you look at vision, if I try to explain to somebody, for example, in marketing and sales like yourself, I, I always compare ourselves to being the Google Analytics for training and education in the company. Uh-huh. In the last 10 years, a lot of companies have focused on how can we predict churn, at customer churn, or how can we predict things like what our growth will be. So a lot of metrics and data has been collected around the sales and marketing process and the financial process of companies. But very few are looking at the HR space today, uh, aside from can we hire faster, those kind of things, but not so much on the training process. And I think we have an opportunity there. I think uh, you're right there, yeah. So I think, well, before the call, you were talking about uh, how you got into this business, how you started this, how you started the business and that it wasn't, for the technology that you started the company. It was indeed following the problem and you wanted mm-hmm. to solve that. Mm-hmm. So from that aha moment to where you are right now, a release product that is being used by customers, can you explain a little bit the journey that you that was taken and the major milestones that were that were there? Oh, absolutely. I'll try and be brief about this because uh, it, it, it can be lengthy. So personal history, I grew up in Europe. I studied there, moved to Silicon Valley as a very young guy, I was 21 years old, and I'm an engineer, uh, which, is, which is not traditionally how a company is built, but it was a bunch of engineers together. And so in Silicon Valley, you really have to catch up. You have to stay relevant. You need to understand the latest new technology, which is what makes me excited to be here. But as an engineer, that means learning a lot and very quickly and also finding ways to learn faster than others, right? And that was the basis for everything. Now, back in 2010, uh, there was a bunch of people here that got together and said, can we change the education process, which was on Sophic, what we call 1.0. 
what we learned there, and mind you, I was building the platform. I was the engineer, the architect. I found out that, that education is not necessarily the best place to land your business. And so ultimately, after investment money, deploying successfully at UC Berkeley in California for two years, we decided, uh, or at least the then management decided, it was, it was not a good place to be. Back in 2014, 15 then, I actually approached the original investors, bought off the IP and decided, you know, I believe that we need to pivot into the business world where data is going to make a difference. And I see a trend. We chose Belgium as a beachhead to try out our product and to really learn about that market because it's a small market. And at the same time, it allowed us engineers to really be close physically with customers, even though it's an American company. Build on the beachhead in 2015, we first deployed to our very first customer. Back then, it was still tuning the software. 2016, we had our first major license, multi-year license with an organization with more than 10,000 people at the time. And now we're slowly expanding in that market. What we're doing today is we, we are learning about the inbound sales process. We're moving from an outbound strategy into an inbound strategy, as well as scaling globally. So we're now in Singapore, we're in the United States, and we're in Europe. That is high-level what we've accomplished in the last three years since Sophic so-called 2.0. Okay. So what did you do to get it, to get it 100% right, to deliver this remarkable impact? Or what did you not do? That's maybe, the, maybe a better question. <laughs> what did we not do? It's a good question. So, so first of all, with the vision of can we make the learning and training process in organization, can we quantify that better, which is the basis? I mean, if you want to do anything on machine learning, if you don't have a structured, uh, well-defined and very broad data set, don't even think about doing machine learning at all or AI. That was the basis for everything. We knew that. We started building the those data sets. But the, the part, most important part is then you need people to use the system to collect the data to do the useful things with. What we did not do uh, from a technology perspective is I think we should have, should have had more data scientists earlier in the company for some of, of the, the base layers. If you're talking about from a business perspective, I would say probably uh, having some, we, we, for the longest time, we were too much engineering driven. So we, we should have had uh, marketing and sales equivalent to the engineering and, and business building people much earlier on. So those are two things that I would, if I do another startup, which there's a high chance of it, I'll do, uh, I'll do differently, yes. Okay. And, well, that's a, that's a good old quote from, no, that, let's, let's, let's skip that one. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at where your product is today, a couple of things I learned from other interviews that I've done so far Mm-hmm. with companies in your space is that once you start developing the product and you, 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 you follow your idea and your, and your end goal, your vision, mm-hmm. and sometimes something else pops up as sort of an interesting byproduct. Have you created or have you seen any of those byproducts? Absolutely. So our journey into customer centricity land is based upon that. So we, we didn't, we were very much focused on the training and the impact of training, specifically around risk and compliance and industry 4.0. Customer centricity just accidentally walked in. And this was mostly with conversations with customers to find out if you're trying to change, for example, in the example I gave earlier about how can we move from a product-focused company to a customer-centric company. Ultimately, the real metric is not whether people understand your product well or if they have the soft skills to, to really talk about this product and give it to people. It's really the feedback from your customer is the ultimate data set that verifies whether your people are trained well. 
And so that just <laughs> walked into our in our space accidentally through a customer request where we then started mapping the space of what, what different methods are there to measure customer satisfaction from NPS to CSAT to CX. Now, we're not going to develop that, but uh, applying our machine learning on that data set is, uh, is something that we, we didn't anticipate when we started off. Interesting. Yeah, that's... It all, at the end, it all starts with the customer and having the problem right. But uh, definitely, this is a good way to, to measure whether the impact is actually seen by the customer mm-hmm. as well, which is what, what it's all about. So if you look at your, your existing customer base and where the product is right now, mm-hmm. what are you most proud of achieving so far? Hmm, good question. So most proud of, as an engineer, you're looking at the product, but you're never happy. So, so I shouldn't say that the most proud of it. I think it's mostly the people that helped me get here. You know, when you start as an engineer, you're like, okay, well, I can be the best engineer. I can build really good products. I'm the best coder. I'm the best understander of new technology. But what I'm most proud of is the team that is behind this, because as soon as you start scaling, it's amazing to see how much more uh, horsepower, if I can compare it to cars, you get because of that. And the, the challenge then is to hire those people who are extremely passionate, that believe in the same thing that you're doing, that really align, find a way to collaborate and ultimately amend you plus one. That's what I'm the most proud of, really, if, if I think back. I mean, you can go to individual wins as to delivering successfully to an enterprise as a startup with only, you know, at the time, a handful set of people, but, but rolling it out to thousands of people at once, that was an achievement. But high level, it's the people, the people who are standing behind on Sophic and, and get us where we need to go to keep our customers happy, to really make whatever training challenge they have successful. I think that's what I'm the most proud of. Yeah, exactly. So if you, if you look at where the, the, the product is right now and the lessons learned in terms of your customers using it, Say you're bumping into a new organization tomorrow uh, or you meet a CEO or a head of, head of HR. Mm-hmm. What would you advise them if they look at how to stay relevant in their industry? Because in many cases, people are not aware of the technology that's available these days. So they, they, will, not, they will likely not ask for your product. It's, it's a good question. I would say very much so that the future really looks at what well, very many uh, CEOs underestimate the impact of or the value of the people in their company. They're looking at, you know, are we on the trends? Can we implement this new technology? But it's really the people that drive the company, especially if you're looking at Western Europe. We've transitioned from, you know, the coal mines and and the steel industry and so on into a services industry, much more. That means services industry, the assets are your human potential. That's your human capital, the people in your company. And it's really important to make sure that you make strategic decisions on making the cake, getting the most out of these people, bringing in technology to amend what they can do and to make them more effective every day. And I'm not talking about getting more performance out of them by you know, implementing rules to, to make them work harder. No, it's about making really the work lighter on your human potential and get the most out of it. And so that, that's starting to focus on that. I think is, is something that every business leader should really be thinking about or should be aware of. And what is that potential if you, if you would put a percentage on it? What should you, I mean, I, mean I, I think we should think big and therefore I think well, CFO, CEOs and, and HR directors should think big as well. But, but what is big in this respect? Uh, can you clarify a little bit? Well, 
if the argument is that you undervalue the, the value of the people in your organization, mm-hmm. some people think that they are that they are not undervaluing their people. And the, so the question is, well, quantify that, because I think they're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. In many cases, they can do a far better job, but you simply don't know how to unlock that. Correct. But but if you if you see like for example, and and this is not, I mean, a lot of services are are being replaced, right? And and a lot of companies are concerned. You know, do we need bots? Will bots replace all of our people? And I don't think so. It, it definitely will not. I mean, if you say customer uh, service centers, for example, that's a good example. Customer service centers. A lot of the tasks that that, that people are doing there, you know, can partially be replaced by bots. But bots can only go so far. They're trained on the most common cases. So they're like, all right, we can get rid of a lot of people. But what they don't understand is that the people who are going to be taking the special cases, which was what we as human are good at, requires you to get an even stronger customer service group that has even more trained on what the unexpected cases are on the personalized level, all of those things, which means that, yes, yes, you can optimize out a set of of your workforce, but at the same time, you need to increment the capabilities of the workforce that that now is going to handle all the special cases, right? And so AI is not going to just walk in and replace all the jobs, just to be clear. That's not going to happen. So so I think that that is definitely... Go ahead, sorry. No, that's my vision as well. Mm-hmm. And so in the customer center centers, that is, that is specifically something that managers, I, I don't know, are fully aware of. We're spending a lot of time in, in getting projects on the roads to, to build these AIs or the automatic robots on chat channels and so on, which is a challenge, don't get me wrong. But we forget that the people who remain are going to have to get a different training now than before. Exactly. Uh, how much the percentage, it's hard to, I, I cannot put a number on that or how much more time they should spend. Well, I, think, I think what you said is, is uh, making that clear already. It, it mm-hmm. requires a different mindset. And that's what I wanted to have more of an answer on. Mm-hmm. Because yep. um, Otherwise, yeah, it's like before in the past, if you would have asked people what, what I needed, they, was, they were needing a faster horse rather than a yes. car. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but it, okay, so you get a faster Porsche, but you don't change the driver. Guess what? Your 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 driver is going to go out of the first curve because <laughs> he got exactly. a faster, more powerful Porsche. If we may go down on that same analogy, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep, so, yep. what's next for you? What's next for the company? Next for the company is, as I mentioned, we put a significant effort into acquiring the talent that we didn't have on the sales and marketing side of things. So for us, scaling is, is all, what it's all about in 2018. When you heard what their focus areas, you know, risk and compliance, customer centricity, industry 4.0 and learning 4.0, that's still too broad of a market. We need to focus yet again, as we did back in 2014-15, as to pick one of those and then actually really become an expert in that field. And then 2019 will be expanding that field. But what we're doing differently than other uh, startups right now is to really focus on that on a global scale rather than an individual scale. So in 2018, we will have answers on the exact market. We might only limit ourselves maybe to risk and compliance, or we might only limit ourselves to customer centricity, but the market will let us know that. Yeah, I agree. Focus at the end makes the difference. Exactly. But to be clear, if we look at five to 10 years, the goal is to cover that and education 
that's still the vision behind the company what we wanted to achieve so you mean and education like the education sector yes pretty ambitious so the education sector is going to anticipate a revolution here i would say so but i think they're aware of that it's just the speed at which it happens uh, seems to be semi-slow but i think i once made the statement i don't and this this was based upon an article couple of years ago, but I honestly believe between five and 10 years, most of the half of the uh, traditional education institutions will no longer exist in the form that they are today. That's an interesting statement. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying they're gone. I'm saying they will no longer exist in the form that they are today. If you see that we train ten thousands of people more than like even the largest university in Belgium today yeah. with a staff that is, you know, limited to tens versus a traditional institution that has hundreds or thousands of people to support the same group of people. Sure, we don't do the exact same work, but the gap is in tremendous. Huh? Yeah, exactly. And do you wow. see, the, I mean, if you look at DataCamp, I don't know if you know that startup, it's no. a startup focused on data science. Uh, they've got 1.7, and this was a quarter ago, so they're probably even big. So they've got 1.7 students worldwide, 1.7 million. That's bigger than, than any university out there. Uh, and it's the best way to, to learn about data science on this planet today. That, that is an interesting concept. And there's a lot needed for, uh, for that one. A lot of data scientists. Yes. yes yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's, there needs to be a, a shakeup. And I think that this could be a, a way to do it. Mm -hmm. So if there's, I mean, if you, if you would be able to ask a question to the audience, how they could help you, what would you ask? I would ask to start and look at your, I mean, if the audience is, is, is business people, I would definitely go back to your company and look at what your biggest challenges are today and how you're tackling them. And specifically around the human potential in your organization, how you enable them. Rethink that process. And then I would love to hear about from your audience as to what they think is their biggest challenges in their company for their human potential in the next three to five years. I would really want to find out about that. I'm going to ask that and hopefully we get a good discussion going on that. I think it's an excellent question. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, there's, uh, there's a lot to do. Right. So I mean, and, and this goes back into what you were saying initially as to, okay, what would you ask a business leader? And so to trigger that, I think it's good to say, all right, well, we have a lot of people in our company, you know, what is their biggest problem today and how are we trying to solve that? You know, are we throwing training at it? Are we hoping with management to steer that? And what are we using as the metrics for doing so? Yeah. I think that's a, it's a very good question to ask. I agree. So to finish off, where could people go if they want to find out more about you or just say hello? You can always visit our website to find out what we're really about and, and, and went very high level today, but looking at what we have. Uh, definitely contact me directly at tom.onsofic.com if you have a specific question or link to me on LinkedIn. Nowadays, that's the best way to get in touch with me personally or with one of the people in our organization to kind of explain in more detail what we do. Excellent. Tom, thank you very much for your um, inspiring thoughts around this, uh, this topic. Mm -hmm. Great solution, at least. That's what I... That's the, that's the feeling I get when I hear about it. Mm -hmm. And a perfect example again how technology, although it wasn't meant to be, but how technology can augment people to do a better uh, job to deliver a remarkable impact. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for the opportunity. And it was very nice meeting you, Tom. It was a pleasure on my side as well. And for everybody else that's listening today, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Tom Pennings, founder and CEO of Onsofic. 
The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So, with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.